guy's testimony at the end. He's a pastor of an underground church in the, the middle of Bhutan, and he got born again if he didn't really understand his accent. Um, he had massive stomach pains, and they couldn't really realize, figure out what was wrong with him. And um, his uh, uh, relative told him, pray to the Lord Jesus Christ that you'll be healed. And he got instantaneously healed and came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior and got baptized just uh, uh, in 2013, as you've heard him say. And God's doing miracles like that all over the world. And that's just one of the uh, amazing testimonies that, that we heard as we were there. And so... Um, on the, the first picture that you saw of the map of the nation of Bhutan that Derek's going to throw up there, you got it surrounded by massive nations. You got China above it, and then you got India below it. And those two nations make up almost a little over 3 billion people. And the nation of Bhutan makes up uh, 750,000 people. So they're surrounded and literally dwarfed by these massive nations all around it. And um, the northern side and the, the western side border of Bhutan is surrounded by the Himalayan mountains. And some of these pastors, when they, when they go to, to leave Bhutan, they, they hike through the Himalayan mountains to get to outside the country and things like that. And so it's definitely a, a, a unique nation. It's one of the most beautiful nations that you'll ever go to. But it's also a closed nation. They don't allow Christianity to be spread openly or talked about openly. Um, they're known for this. They're called the happiest nation on the earth. But they may be the happiest nation, but they have no joy whatsoever. Because how many of you know there's a great difference between joy and happiness? Joy comes from within, from the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Happiness is caused by outside circumstances around you. And they have great outside circumstances. There is no homeless in the whole nation. The, the king takes very good care of all his people. Um, they all have food, shelter, clothing, and, and, and many things like that. But, and, and so when you ask them, are you happy? They're like, yes, because you look at the people just below them in India, third world nation in abject poverty. You look at China above them. Many of them are, you hear all the horror stories of China. And so for them to be where they're at is an amazing place for all their people to have shelter, food, clothing, and to be well provided for. So they're known as the happiest nation on earth. But there is absolutely no joy on the faces of many of the people because we know that they need Christ Jesus as their, as their Lord and Savior. And so um, the travel schedule getting over there, as many of you have heard, was absolutely horrendous. And, and that's one thing. But you know you're in for a battle when you land in a nation where one of their great prides of their nation is their, the, their flag is this. And um, the symbol on their flag is a dragon. And one of their pinnacle um, sightseeing places is a 201-foot-tall Buddha statue. So you know you're in for a for a challenge when you land in a nation that says we're so glad that a dragon is our is our representative and a 201 foot tall Buddha is is, is what we um, is what we built on the mountain. And that and that picture of that Buddha that you saw me in the little circle that thing is 201 feet tall. And so I, the, the guy who took the picture is standing so far back that, that it was, it's just crazy how big this whole area is that they're building on top of this mountain. And now this Buddha overlooks the capital city. And so when you saw the pictures of all that, then you saw the big valley with all the houses below. That's the capital city that the Buddha overlooks. And what you can't see in this picture is they put white flags up everywhere. So as the wind blows off the top of the mountain, they have scriptures, um, Buddhist scriptures written on these flags, believing that the, the wind is caused by Buddha that will blow the words of the scriptures over their city. And so everywhere you go throughout the nation of Bhutan, they have these flags hanging just 
everywhere because it's believed that the, that the wind is the, the breath of Buddha that's taking their words of the, the, the Buddhist scriptures over their nation for protection and for everything else. And so you know you're in for some big spiritual warfare when you land in a nation like that. And, and some of the, the, the major things that we dealt with is when we landed in the nation of, of Bhutan, we, we went to an underground church that night, and um, the pastor of that church um, is, is up there. His name is Kalish. And, um, and that's him right there. He was also our guide that got us into the nation. You cannot go into the nation of Bhutan because it's a closed militaristic Buddhist nation without prior approval from the government. And so they know where you're going to be. They know every stop that you're making along your course when you're there. If you deviate from that, this guy has to notify them that we're not going to be at our appointed location at a certain time. And so the government monitors where you're at every step of the way. And so, so Kalish is a born-again believer, loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God made that divine connection that he got us into the nation. We got to hear his testimony. He pastors a great church. And you saw some of the pictures there of his underground church. There's about 35 people there that night on a Friday night church gathering that they had because, because we were in. And then as soon as we got done with that, it's like the spiritual warfare just started. And it was crazy. Uh, the two guys I traveled with, one guy's name is Ken Yonke. He's the guy with hair. The bald guy's name is Steve uh, Chandler. And Ken Yonke is the director of all operations at Global Advance. He's second under Jonathan Shibley. Steve Chandler is the, lives in Sacramento, California, and he's the director of Evangel, uh, Evangel Bible Translators, where they translate Bibles for people who don't have Bibles in their language. And right now they're working on uh, translating uh, several different uh, languages of the Bible that will reach 1.3 million people in the next five years. And so, so I was kind of in some pretty elite company. And as you just look at them guys and some of the amazing things they're doing, and it's an honor to be with them. And, and, and that... After we got done uh, speaking at that house church and praying over people, we saw God heal a guy's back. We saw God heal the pastor's father of stomach ulcers. We saw God um, heal a lady's shoulders where literally her quote was, I feel like a brand new person all the way around. God, uh, this one uh, girl came in with fever and, and we prayed over her and, 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 and she fell down under the power of God and woke up and her fever was immediately gone. We just saw God begin to do some uh, amazing things. And, and, and then that night, uh, Steve began to just get crazy sick. He threw up about 16 times in a, in a 20 hour period and in the middle of all that he gets a call from his wife that his brother had been killed in a car accident while he was there and Steve ended up getting the same thing Ken did. Not sure what it was or what they ate but I know God that I serve. Amen. <laughs> no, I have a great church praying for me. Amen. Uh, it was able to keep me whole but then my son was running fever and, and sick all week when I was gone and, and then the, the storm that came in is just a freak storm. They said it has not snowed in March in over 15 years, and the last time it did, it was just a couple flurries of snow. He said at most it snows once a year if we get any snow, and it's usually about an inch. And, and, and so for that snowstorm to hit the day we landed, and, and literally it postponed our travel for a day, so now he's got to call all these government places and say, we're not going to be at our appointed destination at a certain time because it's snowing here in the capital city. And obviously we were in the capital city and so was the government, so they, could, they, they weren't like suspicious about that. They knew the snow was there, praise God. And, and, and I don't know why Jeff was praying for me to encounter snow in Bhutan, but <laughs> I, I'm blaming him for that one, Amen. And so, 
And so that was just another thing that happened. And then there's several other things that happened throughout the, the trip that, that, are, that are on a confidential matter that I can't really talk about. That is just attack after attack after attack that tried to prevent us from getting to the destination that, that we were going to be at. And so um, we had to postpone our drive for a day. But then we go to take off on an on a eight and a half to nine hour drive the next day. And as we take off to go on that eight and a half to nine hour drive, we're about an hour into it. And we got to go up over mountains that it just heavily snowed on and these people who um i'll just go ahead and say it are a lot like texans don't know how to drive in snow amen and you're trying to drive up a mountain i mean we had cars sliding off to the sides of the roads and and it's not like in america where if you got a mountain and you got a curb you got a guardrail you got a mountain there and you got a curve and you got a big fall going halfway down the mountain so literally there were hundreds of cars trying to go up there are hundreds of cars trying to come down and you're passing each other you know when it snows everybody crunches to the middle of the road and and so it's just it took us five hours to go on a two-hour mountain drive that normally takes two hours took us five hours to get over the mountain so it took us over 12 hours to get to our destination so we stopped one time for a 30-minute lunch break in 12 hours and can you tell you I'm glad we got out of a car amen thank you Jesus after after that day and and then when you drive into the place that we're staying um, we, we we leave the nation of Bhutan and it's a lot like Thailand and, and the Thai Burma border we leave the nation of Bhutan but there's about a mile space between Bhutan and where India actually governmentally starts and it's a place called no man's land so we're leaving Bhutan not into India and we're staying three days hosting a conference in a place called no man's land yeah it gets better I'm telling you and to get there we're driving down this road that you could call it a road. I mean, our worst oil top roads are a million times better than this road. And so we're driving down this road, and, and, it's, and it's black outside by this time. And all of a sudden, the driver just takes off. And it's like we go through this 10-foot ditch, and, and, and it's about 15 feet long. And then we come up the other side, and then we go over to this place, and you just see this metal building over there. And they're like, we're here. 12-hour drive, you just want a hot shower, and you show up, and that ain't happening for about four days. And so we get there, and you saw some of the pictures of, of the bathroom, and you saw some of the pictures of, of what was going on uh, there, and you saw there, there was no showers. You had to heat up your water by the fire that was out there, and then you'd carry it up to your room, and you'd take the, the pitcher of water there with a the little bowl or whatever it is, and you'd get all your hair wet and everything, and then you'd rinse off and all that. That's how you took a shower um, when we were there and so um, and and then so those were the accommodations that we had and it may sound horrible to hear that oh my gosh I can't believe you did that but when you saw what they had and you saw what they gave to you to live in while you're there you look at what you had versus what they had and how they gave all they had so you could have the very best that they could possibly offer Man, they treated us like kings. And, and, and so when you look at that, everybody says, oh, my gosh, can't believe you did that. When you look at them and you look at what they sacrificed and gave for us, the people of God, to come in and be able to see and do amazing things. Brandon, everybody's doing this. Can you make sure the air conditioner's bumped up to about 72? So, and so, so when you see what they gave up, for you to have it showed the, the the condition of their heart about how they were willing to give to the kingdom of God 
and how they were willing to give unto the people of God and, and watch what God was beginning going to do. And, and so as we got to that conference location, um, we were able to, to meet up with uh, Derek. Go to Osso. Go to his picture. Um, we were able to meet up with this guy. <laughs> I love this guy. Me and him, we kind of hit it off real quick. He began to tell me his story, and he told me the story uh, of how he got to where he was at. And his place is called, uh, the, the place when he got there, it, it's just, well, the, trying to figure out how to phrase the story. He got there because his pastor, he, he's literally li originally from Nagaland, which is a country a couple, mile, a couple hundred miles um, east of Bhutan uh, in India. And he lived there, and his pastor had a vision. And his pastor said, you are to go to the land of Bhutan, and you will find a place just by the border between two rivers. You're to plant a ministry there that will change the course of the nation. He listened to his pastor, took his pastor at his word, packed up everything he had, went to a place, didn't know where he was going. Sounds a lot like Abraham. Go to a place that I'll show you. Literally looked on a map as he got close to the border and said, I need to find where two rivers separate. And he found this place here. And when he got to this place where between two rivers they separated, he found an abandoned school building with no roof on it. And the school building was like a, a 12 by 12 room with concrete floor, concrete wall, no roof on it. That's it. No running water, no nothing. And God says, this is your place. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I like this guy? He said, this is your place. And so for two years, he bathed in the river that was there. Well, he began to build this ministry. And over the past nine years, also has built this ministry to have this awesome facility here where, where it's a church below and there's missionary quarters above where we stayed with some classrooms. And now he's got a, a school building over there where you see the kind of rusty metal roof that's all concrete uh, rooms that are about 12 by 12. And there's about 10 of them that go all the way down. He's got a house for him and his wife and his two sons, a house for his, his lead teacher and their family. And he is growing and developing this place to be an amazing awesome ministry that literally has now already begun to alter the course uh, of the nation of Bhutan. Because before we left there, we, 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 there was 120 church leaders, over 80 of them pastors. We aligned the top 13 pastors that we could bring together, and we brought them into a strategic meeting and said, now what are you going to do to change your nation, and how can we help? See, the great thing about global advance is we don't go into a nation and tell them how to change their nation. We're not going to know as a Western culture how to change that nation. So we pull the pastors together and say, what can you do to change your nation? And we just begin to equip them and empower them with what they need. And before we left, they, 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 they made a covenant together that they're going to get together at least once a year, more than likely twice a year, at this location just outside the Bhutan border so they can meet without worrying about their house churches being destroyed or disruptive because they're not in Bhutan, a closed nation to Christianity. They're just outside it. And so this place is now becoming the headquarters of pastors gathering that are going to go back into their nation and begin to change their nation because a man had the faith to listen to a word from God to say, go find a place between two rivers and plant a ministry. And so I sit there and I listen to his story. 
And before the trip was done, this guy also came to us and said, you have no idea what this conference meant to me. Because he said, about a year and a half ago, I began to pray, God, am I done here? I'm tired. I'm weary. I can't go on. And literally within a couple weeks, he met Ken at another conference in Nagaland. And they begin to converse over the past year and a half about how do we get the nation of Bhutan one to Christ. And by the time we left this conference, there is no doubt in his mind God had planted him here for a reason. Between two rivers, in a place that nobody would go to, to change a nation that the world has said is unchangeable. And I, and I sit here and I shudder and I think, what faith? Amazing faith. And at the very end, you saw a guy signing a rock. The story about the rock is this. When Oso came to the rivers that parted, where they parted, he bent down and he picked up a flat rock. And he looked at it as he walked on the property. And when he heard God say, this is where you'll plant your ministry, he said, this is now my covenant with God. And he kept this rock that was a smooth stone. And it reminded him of David and Goliath. He picked up the stone. And so we had, all, we had some of the workers that were there go into the river and gather a, a ton of huge flat stones and bring them all in and wash them off. And at the end, we told them the story of the rock. And we said, we want everybody to come up here and grab a rock and grab a marker and write your dream on this rock. Because right now you're standing in somebody else's dream that was founded on a rock, on the rock of Jesus Christ. And they had, we had pastors, literally, like, like it's, not an, it's not like an American church. This is day three of the conference, and it was the commissioning service. And literally, when we said that, everybody just, like, rushed the front. Like, I thought we were going to have a fight break out because they wanted a rock to write their promise on because they were standing in somebody else's manifested promise of God. That they said, if I'm standing in somebody else's promise of God, that he made a covenant between God and he and it was symbolized by a rock, I'm getting my rock. They're like, I'm getting my church. I'm going to plant my churches in Bhutan. And they began to be so inspired during this commissioning service that people just began to weep, and they began to bawl, and they began to write their vision down. And we spent two and a half hours after the final message was preached laying our hands on every single person there and speaking words into their life. And, giving, and God was just pouring out amazing prophetic direction for these people's lives and, and some of the stories that that I'm going to continue to tell you are, are absolutely amazing like the one with me and uh, my translator the either one of them you can throw up there Derek yeah this is this is pastor money we call him pastor money it's Monet M-O-N-I-E but we call him pastor money man this guy's like a general in the in God's army I mean when when he speaks it's just like the the, the pillars of the room begin to shudder and when he would interpret for, for us I'm talking the power of God would fall in such a way that, that I, I mean, it, it was just almost indescribable how, how it wasn't us speaking. We were just watching him in amazement of what he was doing. And, and, and basically, he said, every time he got done, he said, can I get your notes? Because I don't remember anything I said. He said, I literally do this. I'm just God's mouthpiece, and I hear what comes in, and I speak out. What God has spoken through you. And he said, so I literally don't remember anything. So he said, I love this conference, but next year I don't want to interpret. <laughs> and I said, oh, you're interpreting next year, buddy. You're not getting out of this role. 
And, and so he began to, and we just began to pour into him, and, 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 and I'm putting him on, on a list where he gets my messages every week and, and, and things like that. And, and, and the power of God that came upon him and his wife right there, God is going to use them to plant amazing churches throughout the land of Bhutan. And, and it's so awesome to see. The next picture is the other translator. This is uh, Yu Chin, and she's crazy awesome fun, fun-loving, just amazing person. She was an awesome interpreter, but her mom and her pastor six churches in the nation of Bhutan. They pastor six churches, and they, they hit the churches every week in kind of like a circle. The, she'll hit three, and then Yu Chen will hit three, and then they'll rotate the next week, and they'll just rotate and hit all six churches. And they said, by the time you come next year, we want to have double. We want to have double. I'm grabbing this rock because my vision's double. And God's using people like that. And she said the same thing. Can we have all your notes? Because I don't remember a thing you said. And, and, and it's awesome to see what God does when people will yield themselves to, to, to him and see amazing things happen. At the end of this conference, um, we, give three, uh, we ask for three big commitments. We ask a commitment that as you as leaders of a church, you've got to commit on a daily basis to, to read your Bible and pray every day. And this has got to be just come a practice in your life that you do. I know that may sound silly to some of you, but when you're in a third world nation and you don't have any formal training at all, you're just going on your salvation experience. A man told you about Jesus, so you're just going and telling people about Jesus. They don't know about studying and, and all this other stuff. And so we, we asked for that commitment. And, and all the people there made that commitment, over 120 commitments to do that on a daily basis. The second one is this. Will you embark in cross-cultural missions? And what that means is go to somewhere where you're currently not whether it be in India or just across to another state in the area of Bhutan or will you go to just across the street in your town, will you engage in missions this year? You're going to go forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're going to begin to win people to Christ in a way that you know you can do in your nation, which is relational uh, discipleship and bringing people into the body of Christ. And, and they committed to do that, and it was an amazing to see, thing to see God do that. But then at the end, we always say, now this is a big one. How many of you guys will commit to planning a church in the next 12 months? And we had over 27 pastors say, I'll plant a church or more than one church in the next 12 months in a nation that's closed to Christianity. Man, when you hear stuff like that, it's like what God is doing around the world through TWBC to ignite nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ is absolutely amazing. And these pastors that came in on the first day, that literally, when they walked in, we all three looked at each other, and we, we knew this was going to be a tough one. Because they, every one of them looked like they were ready to quit. They looked like they were ready to walk out with no hope, with no passion. And by the time we were done, they were just pouring down tears. True, like true joy had flooded the place. They may have been bawling, but, but they were praising. And you could just see the expression uh, on their faces of how God had touched their life. And for them to come from a place of burnout to a place of we're going to plant uh, churches in the next year. And when God does a 180 degree turn like that, it's absolutely phenomenal to see the lives of pastors touched and changed in, in, in an amazing way. And then, as I said earlier, you know when you're in for a battle, when you land in a nation where, where a dragon is on their flag and a 201-foot-tall Buddha overlooks their capital city. When we got done with the last night, I was the, the last one in the sanctuary praying uh, over a family. And as I was finishing up, immediately as I was praying, something, and, and you'll, you'll find out what the something is in a minute, just quickened in my spirit, and I looked up at the back of this room, and there was this, there was this lady at the back of the room. 
And she was small, petite, little thing. I mean, she's probably about five foot tall, didn't weigh over a buck ten. And, and she was just kind of, it looked like she was just kind of gliding into the room. And you immediately felt the spiritual conflict. And she kind of walked up the aisle and I said, is there any way I can help you? She said, no, I'm Hindi and you cannot pray for me. And that means she's of Hindu religion. You cannot pray for me. I said, well, this is a church that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. What can I do for you? And she didn't answer. And she began to walk to the back. And I said, ma'am, how can I pray for you? And she turned around and it was a man's voice talking. So out of this little five foot tall, 120 pound person, and you have somebody with the voice of Derek coming through. I mean, I'm telling you, you just kind of sit back and say, what in the world? And, and so, so as I'm looking at that, and she's just kind of standing there. We're having this little stare down contest. I catch out of my peripheral, Ken, the, the team leader walking by. I said, hey, Ken, you got to come in here and check this out. And he's like thinking, oh, it's great. So he walks in and immediately, the minute he stepped through the church door, he's like, Whoa. Because it was so intense, the demonic and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the goodness of God that were clashing at the moment. And she began to just walk out the back door immediately, and she began to just kind of roam around. And so after a few minutes, we, we approached her, and we began to just declare that the, the, the devil and the demons would come out of her. We at this for about 10 to 15 minutes. And amen, praise God. And we just went at it for 10 to 15 minutes, and, and she would close her eyes, and you would just see her it's just back and forth. And craziest thing ever. And, and where Steve was, Steve was up in the missionary quarters taking a nap. And I'm like, where's Steve? Come on, we need the tra Bible translator guy here. What happened to him? And so we began to pray, and some of the other pastors began to pray. And then after about 15 minutes, I said, why won't you come out? And it went back to a woman's voice, and she said, I don't want him to leave. And she turned around and walked away, not set free. We got work to do. We got nations to change. Our work's not done. And I began to ask God, God, why did you let that happen at the end of the trip? And he said, for that exact reason, to realize your work's not done. You got nations to change. You did a great work here. It's just the beginning. You're plowing ground. You got commitments to plant churches. You got a movement of God taking place, but it's not done. The battle you're facing isn't finished. And so, guys, I can't tell you how excited I am to be a part of a church that's going around the world and igniting pastors and igniting nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ to such an extent that literally, now Ken's been like to 90-something nations in the earth. He's been everywhere. At the end of this, he looked at me and said, Joel, that was more than a demon. That was the devil himself. That was the devil himself. He said, I've never experienced that intensity when I walked into that building. And I said, glad you told me that now, not then. <laughs> right? Thank you, Jesus. But I'm just telling you how intense the battle really is in the war that we're facing. But how good our God is to see a group of 120 people show up. Some drove 11, 12, 13 hours and, and show up with all that they had. And my favorite, my favorite guy of the whole trip, and I may not preach, and I may just tell you stories. My favorite guy of the whole trip was that really, really old bald guy. Do you remember him? Man, he was my favorite guy. I saw him walk in, and I immediately walked up to him, and I gave him a hug. Couldn't speak a lick of English. I can't speak a lick of Bhutanese. And we, but, man, I grabbed his hand, 
And we just walked around arm in arm for about 20 minutes. And he was in the time of his life just walking around because, you see, his grandson, four years earlier, just led him to the Lord. And he had never been a part of any gathering of this magnitude, of not much less pastors, of just people who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for him, it was like heaven. He was walking into a place where he didn't, he didn't have to worry about persecution for his faith. He didn't have to worry about things. And to see him worship, he would just stand and he would worship. And there was never a time there where there wasn't a smile on his face. And what God is going to do through him, I'm excited to see. And to hear stories from him about what, how God transformed his life through his grandson. That literally, a few years early, they kicked out of the family. But he wouldn't give up. He said, I'm winning my family to Christ. And now his whole family knows Christ. He's going to Bible school. But he came to this conference so his granddad, his dad, and some of his family could come and sit in an environment. Free to be free in their faith. And just get ministered to by the power of Almighty God. And it's so awesome to see what God is doing. And I have a million more pictures on Facebook you're welcome to look at and, and, and see some of the other stuff that's gone on. And that's just some of the highlights from this trip uh, of some of the amazing things that, that God did. But I hope that inspires your faith. That a man walked out into the middle of the nowhere and between two rivers picks up a rock. And God says, this is the place where you're going to build a ministry that will change nations. And we hit it off so good because whenever God's wanting to do something amazing, he does it out in the middle of nowhere. Amen. And so I tell him the story of our church, and I show him the pictures of our church, and he just begins to get overly excited and said, if God can do that for you, God can do that for me. And he began to write down vision of how he wants to build a facility about the size of our sanctuary on his where, where they're, like I said, it's not American where you got to have a chair. They'll come in, and he could fit 1,000 people in this building to stand and just worship. And that's his desire, that people can cross the Bhutan border into a place called no man's land. Receive the power of God to leave and go back into their nation and change their nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm so excited about our church that gets to see that happen, that gets to be a part of that thing happening. That, that you, when you get to heaven, because you've prayed, you've tithed, you've given, and you've poured your heart into this church. Now our church can go part, pour into other parts all around the world. Because you've done it, God says, listen, great is your rewards in heaven. Yes. And I say that with all, with all sincerity. Because I don't know what reward. Everybody says, wow, Joel, your rewards are going to be great in heaven. I'm like, no, I'm already getting my rewards, kind of, sort of. I, I got to go. I got to see it firsthand. I got to be a part of it. To me, I, that, those are, I've got it. I got my reward. But you guys who prayed and sent, your rewards are still coming. Your rewards are still on their way. Your rewards are still coming down the line. And so I want you to be extremely excited about what God has in store for your life because you've given, you've sown, you've prayed, you've sent out missionaries around the world to ignite nations. And God says this, literally. And this was a common theme through most of these pastors. And so I think it's relevant for here too. God's word for you is, I haven't forgotten about you. Ronnie and Hope, I haven't forgotten about you. Maylee, I hadn't forgotten about you. 
Miss Linda, one of the most praying people I've ever met in my life, I hadn't forgotten about you. And to everybody in this room, Heather, God hadn't forgotten about you. And your vision and your call. Timo, he hadn't got, forgotten about you. And God, God's saying here tonight that because you've given to the kingdom, believe me, I hadn't forgotten. I've remembered your sacrifice, your giving. And so I'm saying get ready because God's going to move in your life in an amazing way. And I want to say thank you for all you've done to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Amen? Amen. We serve a good God. When we, have an, when we have an altar call here in just a few minutes, I want to encourage some of you, because I promised the pastors we would do this. Every nation I go to, I buy a flag from that nation, and I have all the pastors sign it. I have all the people I meet sign it. And as they sign this flag, I say, the reason I have you sign it is because I don't want your flag. I want you. I don't want the flag of their nation. I want them. This represents them. Just like the American flag represents us. But I have them sign this, and they sign their name. Some of them wrote a scripture. Some of these are hotel staff members. Some of these are, are pastors. Some of these are pastors that have multiple churches. A couple of these guys around here are some lost Hindu people that I met in the hotel that I got to pray over before they left. And at the end of our hotel stay, this one guy just started bawling and said, I've heard about Christians, but I've never experienced this kind of love before. And so his name's on here. So my prayer is, as we have an altar call here in just a little bit, I want to ask you to come and lay your hands on the nation of Bhutan and these people here and pray over them. Because, you know, I got to travel another 48 to 50 hours coming home and come home to an amazing family and an amazing church where some of these guys were going back to dirt floors, going back to what, it, what was a luxurious bathroom for us, they don't even have that. Some of them literally are bathing in rivers because they don't have running water. They're going back to say the gospel is worth it. They're going back to say my Jesus is worth this sacrifice. So I'm going to ask you that we don't let them be left behind. But when we have an altar call here at, at the end of my message tonight, that you would come and lay your hands on this flag and pray for the nation of Bhutan and see what God would would do um, through you as you continue to pray for them. So if you would, um, real quickly, we're going to run through tonight's message. It's Romans uh, chapter 8 is what we're in. We're going to do this. Um, if you don't have a handout, hold your hand up real high, and Jeff will get you one of those. As he's handing those out tonight, I want to encourage you. If you are a lady in the house, sign up for Kindle the Flame. Amen. If you're a lady in the house, there's an awesome women's retreat coming. There's a green table over there in the corner where you can go and get information about Kindle the Flame Women's Conference. We want you to sign up and be a part of that. Also, men, if you're in the house, there's a, a big tuna men's retreat where we're going to go deep sea fishing in uh, November. Sign up for that. You can um, meet up with Derek or you can uh, send us an email or contact the church and we'll get you signed up for that. Um, also, we have a, a lot of other things going on. We have um, this coming Sunday, we got an amazing service plan, but the next Sunday, uh, uh, this coming Sunday is um, the, the welcome home party, so if you want to become uh, familiar with what TWBC has going on right after service, you can go to this information center over here. We can get you information about the church, but also this Sunday during second service, we're having a welcome home party. It's like a, most churches call it a new members class, but we want to just say welcome home. Welcome to a place where you can experience the presence and the power of God in an amazing way and, and, and find out about TWBC. Just show up for second service, and, and if you want to be a part of that, it'll be upstairs in classroom number, number seven over there and come take part in that. Also.
April 2nd. We're having a child dedication service that's going to take place. And so you don't have to sign up for that. It's just going to be a morning message. It's going to be at both services where at the end of the service we pray over and, and, and ask God to move in your child's life. And they grow up and we commit your child to the Lord. And we commit ourselves as parents to raise our children in a godly fashion. And then um, after that, the organization on April 9th that we go with Global Advance, we're going to have some of their people here that Sunday morning to tell you how you can be involved in a mission trip. Now, with Global Advance, it's an amazing thing. They do more than just pastors' mission trips. We know we got some amazing business leaders in our church. One of the missions they do is called Marketplace Ministries, where if you're a great business leader and you're born again and you're filled with the power of God and you want to go on a mission trip, they don't go to pastors. They go to business leaders around their nation and hold business conferences where they spread the gospel of Jesus Christ through business conferences and tell people your bottom line on your business is important because this is why your business is important. It's your platform for ministry in your community. And they teach them that their business is more than a business. It's God's avenue for their life to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they have that. If you're a lady in the house, you can talk with Miss Amy over here. They have an Esther Initiative program where they go and equip modern-day Esthers, women to rise up in their culture to be women of God that change the course of their nation. Amy knows a lot about that. You can talk with her on that. They also do a next-gen conference where they go to youth conferences for youth leaders around the world. And then they have something called Alpha Relief where they rescue uh, endangered pastors in their family out of crazy hostage situations and plant them in a place where their lives are safe. And so they're going to be here to tell you about what we are a part of at TWBC with Global Advance on, on the 9th. And then the next Sunday, April 16th, Easter Sunday, three services, amen, 8, 9.30, and 11 o'clock. Man, I'm so excited about Easter Sunday this year. It's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. And so those are some of the events that we have going on at TWBC. And also on Wednesday nights, we don't take up a formal tithe and offering, but if you would like to give, you're welcome to, to, to make your check out, put it in an envelope right there, or cash an envelope, and there's a mailbox at the back of the sanctuary where you can drop it in that mailbox, and, and we'll make sure it gets credited to the, to the right places. And so as we jump into tonight's message real quick, you're going to see a miracle, because I got three minutes, really, Time's I'm supposed to be done. We'll figure this out. The Bible says this, for I consider the sufferings of this present time, not worthy of comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits eager with longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And I want you to stop right there for a moment. This is one of the most powerful verses you'll ever read. Verse 19. And it said this, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The world, not just the world, all of creation, I believe, that was affected by the fall of man is waiting for God to re reveal to all creation his sons that are rising up all over the world. Now, that's exciting to me because God's saying he's going to do something so much in my life that he's going to reveal to the world that I'm his son. Now, that's more than me receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. That's God revealing to the world an anointing that he's given me for these next verses that we're going to read. It says, For the creation was subject, subjected to fertility, not, willing, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from, the, from its bondages to corruption and obtain the freedom of the, the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in, groaning together in the spirit, groan, 
uh, excuse me, groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit himself um, helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so on that... Jeff will figure out schedule later. I'm not going to try and preach this tonight. We'll, we'll figure out how we, how we do our calendar later. But I wanted to read that as, as we get started because I'll do this message next week or we'll figure it out and figure in on what's happening. But come next week no matter what. Because some of us, verse 18 and 19 really hit home with me. As I just got back from this trip and all the spiritual warfare and tons of stuff going on this week just getting back and so much so that I was, I was planning on taking a couple days off this week, and that, that hasn't happened, and it's been more of a workload than, than normal. As I began to prepare this message, I read verse 18, and it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So God is saying the present sufferings that you're going through, it's not even going to compare to the glory that you're about to come into. The present warfare that you're in, the present trial that you're going through, the present circumstance that you're facing, the present tragedy that's in your life is nothing compared to the glory that God is about to bring you into. And so God is trying to say to his people here tonight that I'm not sure what you're going through, but can you trust him with what you don't know till he gets you to a place where you do know? So many people, when they're in the midst of the battle, we, we throw our hands up and we just and we and we let go and we say, I just don't know what to do anymore. And can you trust him with what you don't know until he gets you to a place where you do know? The present trials and circumstances that you're going through today are nothing compared to the glory that he's trying to bring you into as we move forward. And there is so much to unload in this. I don't want to cut it short by just flying through this message. But I do want to start out saying tonight, what are you going through? Because if you're going through something crazy, God says there's a future glory about to be revealed in your life. If you're going through some messed up situations, God says, don't give up. I want you to hold on because if you can trust me in what you don't know, I'm going to get you to a place where I can explain it to you so you do know. But in that time, I'm going to reveal my glory to you. And I'm going to show you the power of God. And when we were on this trip to Bhutan, I didn't know why my son got sick when I was gone. I didn't know why Ken got sick. And I didn't know why Steve was sick. I didn't know why Ken's brother had to die when I was gone. I didn't know why a snowstorm had to hit and stop everything that we were trying to do. I didn't know why all this stuff was hindering us from getting to this place called no man's land that somebody planted between two rivers. I didn't know it, but I held on to the vision that God said, come and go to this crazy place and get to a place. But when I got there, when I stepped on the property, when I saw the final day of the commissioning service, I had to trust him in what I didn't know because at the last day of that service I figured out what I didn't know 
I realized the glory that we were about to walk into with this three-day conference and churches being planted and people going back and changing a nation. That glory that was revealed to me then made me realize what I didn't know there in the trial. Does that make sense? See, and when I read this verse, when I got home and started preparing this, I was like, oh, that's what just happened. (laughs) The present sufferings that I went through were nothing compared to the glory that I walked into because I trusted him during the trial. And I'm going to tell you, trust him during the trial. Can you trust him with what's going on in your life when you don't know until he reveals his glory and gets you to a place where you do know? And when I got to the place where I did know, and when I got to the place where I saw men and women of God pouring their hearts out and, and, and their faith revitalized in them, saying, I'm going to go plant church, and the glory of God fell thick in that place. And when it fell thick in that place, God said, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? And I said, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would do it again. Amen. And I talked to Ken afterwards and I said, Ken, you had a chance to go home and you didn't go. Was it worth it to go home and be with your family? He said, absolutely. And I talked to Steve, who'd been gone and hadn't seen his wife in almost a month because he'd been on an Evangel Bible Translator trip and then he went on a Global Advance trip and then they met up with me to finish out this trip and literally at the end of exhaustion and had to go home and, and, and run a whole organization again. And, and I said, is it worth it? And this dude, <laughs> wish I could tell you about this guy. He smiled and said, Joel, I live for this. I live for this. I tell you this because don't get lost in the present trial that you're going through. Mitch, come on up. Don't get lost in the present trial that you're going through and lose your focus because there's about a glory about to be revealed to you. But if you lose your focus in the moment, in the trial, in the current sufferings that you're in, and you lose your way, and you lose your focus, and you give up on God, you're never going to step into what he's trying to bring you into. And some of you are saying, but pastor, I've been going through this trial for a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, some of you a couple years, telling you don't give up. Don't give up because the present trials that you're going through will be nothing compared to the glory that he's bringing you into in your life. So I'm telling you to hold on to the dream. I'm telling you to hold on to the vision. I'm telling you, Becca and Hillary, get ready. Hold on to it. The, the present things that you're going through are nothing to, compared to the glory he's about to bring you into. Ed and Linda, y'all about to go to Costa Rica and build beds for people to go down there. Hold on to it during the struggle right now because the struggle that you're going through is nothing compared to the glory you're about, walk, about to walk into. Uh, hang on to it. Those of you who are trusting God for something and the trial doesn't seem to end, can you just hold on? Will you hold on to Him in the present struggles that you're going through? Because the glory that He reveals, when you see the life of an 84-year-old man who never got to worship in a free setting until that day, And a smile never left his face. And he would literally, as much as he could, run to give you a hug. I sit here and say, who am I that I should receive that? (laughs) That kind of glory from the Father. 
I'm not worthy of that kind of glory. But God says, the current sufferings that you went through was so I could reveal just that to you. That I want to show you I'm going to give you better than you deserve. I'm going to give you more than you asked for. I'm going to bring you to a place of blessing, not just good enough. I'm going to bring you to a place of fullness in me. And the hardest part about coming home is because, oh, I wish I could tell you in a way that you could experience that. And it's going to be an amazing time when you do. Because you're going to see it. You're going to experience it. So I'm going to ask you to stand tonight. We're going to have a time of prayer and worship and praying together, loving on each other. There's a flag up here of pastors need your prayer they need your support but some of you are going through trials and you're going through struggles and we want to pray with you and so I ask Ronnie and Hope I'm gonna ask you guys to come pray Margaret I want you to come if you'd pray Cody if you would come and Alan Bonnie if you would come and Ed and Linda if you would come and I'm gonna let our normal ministers just take the night off unless you want to pray with somebody come and pray with somebody I don't care David, would you be willing to come pray with people, David Renfro? And the present struggles that you're going through are nothing compared to the glory that he's going to bring you into. So if you're struggling tonight, the Bible says where two or three agree upon anything is touching it, it shall be done. And so we want to touch you and touch your life with the gospel of Christ. We want to see you walk in power and anointing and authority in Jesus' name. So, Father, we declare right now that all of heaven is opened and you're pouring your spirit out upon us, that you're igniting people in this room to go around the world to ignite nations, to impact a four-state area, to change the culture of a 20-mile radius in our church. Father, now is the time that we accept the pouring out of your Holy Spirit upon us. And, church, the current struggle that you're going through, get ready for breakthrough. The altars are open. Won't you begin to come as we begin to pray together? And watch God do a mighty work as we worship. Begin to come. The altars are open. Amen.